Next up, the school-to-prison pipeline. That's the subject of Anna DeVere Smith's one-woman show that's running on HBO now. It's called Notes from the Field, and it dramatizes the real-life accounts of students, parents, teachers, and school administrators caught up in a system where young people of color who live in poverty get pushed out of the classroom and into prison. Anna DeVere Smith, of course, is probably best known to TV audiences as Nancy McNally on The West Wing and Gloria Acolytus on Nurse Jackie. She teaches at NYU. She's an official MacArthur genius. She calls this the Pipeline Project. I spoke with her about it in 2016. The Pipeline Project is about how poverty uh, really manifests in black, brown, and Native American communities in such a way that the likelihood that a kid is going to end up in the juvenile justice system and then in prison is is very, very high. And I think you know that there are a lot of people in America who are concerned at the incarceration rates in our country, and it's one of the few places, my understanding, that that uh, Democrats and Republicans even agree that we have to do something about the number of people who are being locked up. And kids are a part of that. Some people call this the school-to-prison pipeline, and the Justice Department has statistics that prove that poor kids of color are more likely to be suspended or expelled from school for things that you know, sometimes aren't very clear. It's something called willful defiance. Um, you know, if you sort of look at the teacher the wrong way, that's an example. And people are doing a lot of work to try to turn that back to figure out, you know, how to keep kids in school. Myself, even as I got into this project under the umbrella of the school, the prison pipeline, I feel it's a little bit dangerous to blame schools and teachers for something that is really rooted in, in, in poverty in the way that people live without opportunity. And just to remind our listeners who may not be familiar with your performances, you take a social and political issue, you interview 100 people or more who come from a broad spectrum of perspectives, then you take about, what, two dozen of the characters yourself and recreate them, their speech, their gestures. It's, it's amazing It's an amazing uh, thing. We saw you a couple of months ago here in L.A. on the Broad Stage in Santa Monica. More recently, you performed in in Baltimore. I imagine doing this in Baltimore after Freddie Gray is different from doing it in Santa Monica. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I, uh, ended up doing my research in Baltimore by a series of uh, sort of unexpected events, I ended up uh, postponing what was going to be a research period in March of last year, and I had moved it to May, only to arrive in Baltimore right after the riot or the unrest or the events, whatever you want to call it. And so certainly when I went there in December to perform um, for Baltimore, I mean, you know, it's a city that is... uh, really, uh, you know, they don't know what they're sitting on. It's always exciting, I have to say, to be performing in an environment where the issues are very alive and relevant. We have some some clips we're, we're going to listen to, starting with a young woman from Baltimore that you spoke with and then recreated on stage named India Sledge. Say a few words about India Sledge. Who is she and how did you find her? Yeah, so I met India um, in a program that is, you know, sort of like a GED program, you know, sort of finishing your high school education. She actually 
left either middle school or the beginning of high school because she was pregnant. And she's now had two children and is uh, still quite young and has gone back to try to get her high school diploma. And so that's why I met her. And, you know, I think I and we were all very charmed by her. And that's why why she ended up in the show. But it's also because I think that she gives a very good sort of sociological um, evaluation of the environment that she lives in. So here from the Pipeline Project Baltimore chapter, the section called The Death of Freddie Gray, very briefly, Anna DeVere Smith doing India Sledge. My boyfriend Jake was leery. He was walking to the store, and the police jacked him up and threw him against the wall for no reason. Checked him for no reason. And since that time, his mom's like, I've got to get away from here. Because you know, around this area, that's all it is. Around here, it's just drug dealers, drug dealers, drug dealers. Uh, for your project on the school-to-prison pipeline, you talked to all kinds of people all, all over the place. You said you did some work in Northern California. You talked to a really interesting guy named Michael Tubbs in Stockton. Who is Michael Tubbs? How did you find him? Well, Michael Tubbs is a star. He is well-known in, in California. He's the youngest councilman, I believe, that Stockton has ever had. And right now he's running for mayor. Uh, uh, extraordinary young man, graduated from Stanford and, you know, started campaigning then when he was still in school. And what interested me so much about Michael and other uh, friends of his that I met in Stockton is here's a bankrupt city, you know, um, homicide-ridden city, and I met young people like Michael who have great educations who are coming back home to try to make a difference, and so I found him to be pretty irresistible, and like India, he too, in just talking about his city, gives us something that I think sociologists would be interested in. So here's Anna DeVere Smith as Michael Tubbs, a city councilman in Stockton, talking about reading aloud in a classroom. And I was reading about Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., and I got to the point he's assassinated. I tried to go through the page really quickly because I really didn't want to talk to six-year-olds about death. So try to turn the page really quickly. And one little boy raised his hand, Mr. Tubbs, my uncle got shot. Then another little boy said, Mr. Tubbs, my cousin got shot. Before I could turn the page, every student in that classroom knew somebody had been shot as a victim of violent death. And then we have the conclusion of the Michael Tubbs segment. What life is this? When I can't see past 18, just want to be alive at 25. And it's just so heartbreaking. Prison or death. There's really no other option opportunity for boys and young men of color and Stockton. Prison or death. Anna DeVere Smith, you recently described yourself as a daughter of the teachers of Baltimore. Uh, one of the people you portray in the Pipeline Project is a teacher from Philadelphia ma- named Stephanie Williams. Tell us about her. Stephanie is a young teacher who I met by accident when I was going into a school in North Philadelphia. And uh, I don't expect anybody to recognize me in North Philadelphia. And she stopped and she stared at me and pointed at me. And usually that's because somebody has seen me on Nurse Jackie or on um, on the West Wing. Uh, but actually she knew my play, one of my early plays, Fires in the Mirror. 
and um, and she's a she's what an ES teacher working with kids who have emotional problems, and you know in in the story that she tells us, she that's why I'm careful about just calling this a school to prison pipeline because you get a sense here of what teachers go through, and. I think we would, my, my, my idea would be to make schools that are habitable for everybody, not just, not just the kids, but the teachers and the counselors, the nurses, the janitors. We need to turn schools back into communities that are, are, are fulfilling for people and that, and that make people healthy. And you can hear, as you listen to Stephanie Williams, some of the kinds of stresses and pressures that there are on a young teacher who's doing everything she can to do her best as a young woman who graduated from Mount Holyoke. She could probably do other things, um, but here she is, dedicated, and it, it's, it's hard. Let's listen. I felt like I had a whole bunch of hungry, starving people, and, and I had nothing in my hand to give them, even though I tried to give them so much. But it was hard to be that strong day in and day out. It was just, it felt like, it was like running a jail without a gun. That's what it was like. It was like being in jail without a gun. No gun, no handcuffs, no bully clubs. I can't throw you in the closet. I can't do any of that. I got to just keep you in order just by being me. I read in the Washington Post that you're experimenting with new forms for your stage performance to engage the audience directly and and inspire them to action. What what was it that you were doing in Baltimore? How do you think it worked? Yes, and also at Berkeley Repertory Theater this summer, I had an opportunity to experiment with this for a full month. And my idea is to basically just stop the show in the middle and what is normally called the second act to give that over to the audience. So what we do is take an audience of approximately 500 people, divide them up into groups of 20 and send them all over other parts of the theater, backstage, on stage, uh, in, you know, rehearsal rooms and uh, dressing rooms in Baltimore. It was even a, a paint shop one group met in, another group met on a stairway. And to get the community talking about what they can do after they've seen the first act and asking people to make commitments. And, you know, because in my mind, the audience has got folks who can do much more than me. I'm on stage with a wonderful, I should mention, by the way, jazz musician, Marcus Shelby is a bass player. Yeah. And we, we can entertain, we can get an audience, we can move an audience, we get you to laugh, get you to cry. But my work is, is just a call. It's a call to action. And there are people in the audience who know a lot more about incarceration than I do, a lot more about education. There's younger people who are, you know, recently out of school or, or in schools. I haven't been in, you know, high school or middle school in many, many years. And also, you know, there's probably somebody in the audience who could write a bigger check than everybody put together. <laughs> Let's get in here and turn this group of people who are sort of strangers sitting in the dark and try to do what we can to bring them together as a group of active citizens. And so that's what I've been experimenting with. I had a lot of time to work on it in Berkeley and then take it to Baltimore. Wow. Well, one last thing about your stage work. Here on the radio, we do everything we can to eliminate the ums, the ers, and the you knows. I know you take the opposite approach on stage. You think, you think they matter. Why? Well, because I think that we all learn language, uh, you know, and we learn it, uh, particularly if we learned it through not just talking but reading and writing, we learn to speak it in what we would consider to be perfectly. But the fact is that 
for everybody, speaking is a form of jazz. You, you, you've got the words, and then you make them into a composition. Every time you open your mouth, there's kind of a musical quality to your speaking, and that music has an effect on people more than the words themselves. And so part of that music and part of the rhythm, of course, is the ums, the you knows, the well, in Baltimore, it's really kids who are who are less than 25 use an expression, uh, you feel me, that then becomes Yefemi, which then becomes Fe, um, and <laughs> Femi. And, you know, somebody who's just like eight years older uh, would say, you know, in that same space where you would have uh, you feel me, Femi, or Fe, says, uh, you know what I'm saying. And that changes from, you know what I'm saying, to, you know, you know what I'm saying, to, saying. So all of these things have a rhythmic reality. And that's really what reaches your heart or makes you furious is the tones, the vocal tones that a person has in the song that they sing. And great speakers have uh, an incredible aptitude for that. You know, um, anybody you can think of who is a very compelling speaker isn't just saying words. They're, they're really singing to you. Anna DeVere Smith in 2016, her one-woman show on the school-to-prison pipeline is running now on HBO through the end of March. It's called Notes from the Field. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. <laughs>